0: I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II.
1: I served in Afghanistan.
0: And VA serves us all. No matter when you served.
1: No matter if you saw combat or not.
0: There are benefits for veterans of every generation.
1: See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov.
0: Welcome to This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. I hope you enjoyed the last two episodes spotlighting participants in the women veterans art exhibit. Pamela Corwin and Deborah Russell each told a unique story with wonderful insight into their artwork. We hope to have one more participant on the podcast in the short future. Today's feature interview is with Team Rubicon's Chief Operating Officer, Art De La Cruz. But before we hear from him, I want to quickly point out that we continue to honor the 50th commemoration of the Vietnam War, On March 29, people from around the nation will go to their local national cemetery to place wreaths on graves of Vietnam veterans. If you'd like to participate, I suggest contacting a local national cemetery and asking them if they know an event that's planned or if they know a local organization that is attempting to lead those efforts. For more information regarding events this year, go to VietnamWar50th.com. That's VietnamWar50th.com. They have a long list of events happening all over the country in the commemoration of the Vietnam War. Art De La Cruz is a Navy veteran having served more than 22 years as a naval officer. He now serves as Chief Operating Officer at Team Rubicon. Team Rubicon is a veteran-founded nonprofit that provides disaster relief to areas in need. Art is going to talk to us about serving in the military, his transition, and applying his skills to a new type of service with Team Rubicon. Enjoy. <music> Art <laughs> Delacruz, sir, thank you so much uh, for joining me on This Week at VA. When we conceptualized the show, I knew Team Rubicon was going to be an early guest because what Team Rubicon is doing is great. And uh, when I reached out to Jake, uh, he he was unavailable, deferred me to another part of leadership. And I'm happy to meet you because you are a member of Team, Ru- Team Rubicon's leadership that I am unfamiliar with. So, Art, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, Tim, thanks for having having me.
0: So, Art, before we talk about Team Rubicon and the amazing impact it has, not only in the world, but in the veteran space, let's learn about you as a veteran, a former service member. Let's go back to that one thing that all of us veterans have in common, and that's the decision to join join the United States military. What was that experience like
1: for you? Um, Well, I made the decision as a freshman at the University of Minnesota, and uh, quite honestly, you know, uh, my experience in college wasn't quite meeting my expectations, and I Felt like I wanted something a little broader. Um, it wasn't—I wasn't one of those people who who knew from you know the second I was in elementary school that I wanted to be in the service. But um, I knew that I wanted to have a sense of adventure. I came from a family where I was the first in the military. Um, you know, not many of my friends joined, and uh, it was just a decision I made where I said, if I don't do it now, and I'm, I'm kind of locked into this experience as just a student. Um, and I wanted just that, that broader adventure, I guess, is, is kind of the decision point. And so I, you know, applied and got accepted to the Naval Academy and figured that out while I was taking finals in Minnesota. And, you know, a few weeks later, my head was shaved and I was standing in line (laughs) wanting, wondering wondering what I'd done with my life.
0: That's, uh, it's, isn't it amazing that it's, they're so closely together in chronological order but there's such a stark difference in feeling between the decision to join the military and then wondering what the heck I just did soon after when you actually take that first step uh to to join the military i remember when i was i wasn't even at marine corps boot camp yet i was at the san diego airport on my way to boot camp and i was already like what did i what have i done you know? uh and so that the the um yeah. the, the stark difference between the excitement going in and then like sort of the 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 confusion and feeling of being lost of like oh my goodness before you even that experience it it's interesting how a lot of us experience that
1: yeah i think uh you know it's like it's like anything new you yeah. know you you have aspirations or ideas of what you think think it's going to be and then you know that uncertainty Kind of hits you like a wave as soon as you walk through the door. But uh you know, I haven't looked back since. It's been great.
0: Sure. And what, what year was that?
1: I actually made that decision in 1987.
0: Okay, and then you served for how long?
1: I served for 23 years, so I retired in 2013.
0: Okay, so uh wow, so like like a lot of my guests and my audience knows exactly what question I'm about to ask right now. Um, like a lot of my guests, you experienced the military both pre and post 9 11. Uh, one of the things that I like to ask people to have that experience is get their perspective on the shift in the military between September 10, 2001, and September 12, 2001.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, you mentioned pre, post, and, uh, you know, I think I can talk a little bit to, about during 9 11 because I was actually deployed on. Um, the USS Enterprise, and we were off the coast of Oman, you know, when we, we just finished lunch and we watched the first plane hit the Twin towers, you know, on maybe it was CNN or something and in the ready room. Uh, and the second one hit and we knew something was going on. and then you know the Pentagon and the subsequent um, the subsequent attacks. Uh, and I will remember this like it was, you know yesterday, I remember the ship, actually just stopping its forward movement and the captain coming up on the ship, uh, one MC and saying, we're, we're awaiting orders from the president. Um, you know, and up to that point, I'd already deployed um, twice um, up to that point. And, you know, we'd been over Iraq and in Bosnia, but, you know, pre and post, it was just a drastic difference because you knew um, that it essentially changed the country that day had changed the way we were going to approach things uh, from here on, you know, forward. And, you know, the, the from the 17 or 18-year-old sailor to the, you know, the admiral uh, and the captain on the bridge, we all knew something was different.
0: Yeah. What, in that 23-year career of yours, is there uh, an experience or a moment or a story that you can share with us that maybe sums up your, your time in the service?
1: Gosh, uh, you know, the, I guess the one moment was, was kind of my change of command. I'd, I'd been fortunate enough and had the privilege to command a, a squadron. And the day I gave up that command, um, I guess that was really the moment when you realize the significance of, of the time I'd, I'd spent and invested in the people I'd met and the opportunities and exposure and education that I've been graced with you know, over the course of that time. And it was really, really, um, amazing. And in that moment, you don't necessarily understand it, but now shoot, um, you know, six years after, after that, you know, flash in time, I can look back at that and, you know, connect every other experience that I've had, um, to that, that privilege of being around men and women, um, that were aligned around a really clear mission of service, Um, had aligned, you know, left and right and committed to, you know, supporting one another. Uh, So it was, you know, that was really just an amazing, amazing experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With 23 years of service, I imagine your decision to transition out simply came from the time to retire. Is that uh, but how, how did you approach that?
1: Uh, well, I don't think it was just me. It was you know, it was a family decision. Okay. Um, I have a wife and and four kids, so you can imagine um, everyone in in the Navy pays some type of tax and gets some kind of reward out of it. And I think it gotten to the point where, you know, missing time with the kids and missing missing the family and um, and the opportunities in front of me really drove it. And I think one of the dis- things that i've I've really come to terms with is, and I, I feel fortunate that, you know, Myself and my wife, who's also that, um, in the manner we approached this, was it wasn't a discussion about, you know, is it time to get out? It was more of a discussion about is it still time to stay in? Which yeah. I guess it kind of gets you to the same same place, but the approach is just completely different because at that retirement point, we knew it was the first opportunity for us to write our set of orders. Uh, what do we want to do, what kind of experiences do we have, what's going to fulfill us and our family. And, you know, when the when the chips laid down and the next set of orders um, weren't going to fit the things that we needed as a family, and that's when we made the conscious decision to retire.
0: Something that a lot of veterans experience when they first get out of the military, whether it's been four years or 23 uh, is a bit of an emotional crisis and not being of sort of losing a part of their identification and making this huge transition in life. Is that something that you experienced?
1: Oh, wow. You know, I, I experienced it. We, I guess we started, started this talk with, you know, that, that flash of what did I do with my life, uh, and that was just a little flicker compared to, you know, the supernova of actually standing up there and going, okay, I'm, I'm going to take off a uniform that I really, really enjoyed and been comfortable and privileged to wear. Uh, for 23 years. So, um, it was emotional from the second we made the decision. Um, and really until probably, you know, two years afterwards, um, you go through, I think, a period of mourning, um, you go through a period of, you know, a void and, and you begin to fill that thing up slowly. Um, but you're always aligned, I think, to that purpose and the community and the friends that you've made. Um, so I mourned for a while, I'd say, I'd say a good two years.
0: Wow. And how long did it take you to find that renewed sense of purpose that so many veterans are seeking when they transition
1: out? You know, uh, I found it pretty quickly. Um, I was fortunate in the the company I went to. You know, they they gave me, you know, opportunities to use what I thought were the skill. I call them skill spikes that the military had given me. You know, I was able to find opportunities to mentor. I was able to find opportunities to lead. Um, So I kind of found fragments of that um, reconnecting with that purpose and, and, and that feeling uh, of, of renewed purpose that, that I'd left in the military. Uh, but it was just, you know, fragments. You'd add them up and it was never quite there until I found Team Rubicon or Team Rubicon found me. I like to say that, uh, you know, Jake kind of rescued me. Um, in, you know, filling the rest of that bucket up of renewed purpose and, and asking me or offering me the opportunity to be a part of Team Rubicon in this capacity. Sure.
0: So tell us, so that's a great segue into how you got involved. How, what was your first introduction to Team Rubicon?
1: Well, when I uh, transitioned to California in my, my position, I saw that Team Rubicon headquarters was literally blocks away from where I was working. So I, I came over out of curiosity and spoke to Jake and and David Burke, who was the, then the director of field operations, and said, "Hey, this is who I am. Can I help you?" Uh, and this is literally, you know, in the same year as my retirement. And they say, "Yeah, you can. Why don't you help us think through this problem?" And and we worked on that. Um, and then come November of 2015. You know, Jake approached me again, you know, based on that interaction and some subsequent interactions and said, hey, this is this is where we're going. Do you want to be a part of it? Um, And it was one of those offers that you just couldn't turn down uh, to be a part of something that was, uh, you know, inspiring and I think is going to be really, really big.
0: Yeah. So then uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience um, what your position is at Team Rubicon and sort of what your daily operations looks like.
1: Yeah, so I'm the uh, chief operating officer of Team Rubicon. And for those that don't know, um, Team Rubicon's mission is to unite the skills and experience of military veterans with first responders and, you know, respond when disaster strikes. We like to say that, you know, disasters are a business and and veterans are a passion. Um, So in the role as uh, chief operating officer, uh, I'm responsible for making sure, you know, the daily operations uh are staffed, you know the processes in place that we have the right people and ultimately the ability to get those veterans to those disaster sites and they have the equipment, they're trained in the right manner and the delivering you know impact in a way that meets their expectations as people who are really our, our major donors and giving their time and it meets the expectations of the funders um, who allow you know who give us these gifts with an understanding, in agreement that that money is going to be used to generate some good. Um, so that's largely what I do. And, you know, it's it's not just about those daily operations. It's also about positioning this organization for uh, what we hope is a, a bright and big future.
0: Absolutely. Many of us that are familiar with Team RiverCon know that, you know, it makes a huge impact in that it helps areas that just that are looking for disaster relief we know that veterans find it like a sense of purpose in volunteering and being able to put their skill sets to use but is there something outside or in between or like somewhere else in the organization that uh, you notice to be a pleasant surprise and another way that team Rubicon is impacting the world
1: well, I think it's uh you know I'd like to to think of it in in uh, as a marketplace, right? If you you think of your typical farmers market, uh, something that's fun- functioning really well has a bunch of people coming in to sell things and a bunch of people coming in to buy things, and and probably a good chunk of those are doing both. Um, so we have a lot of people coming to Team Rubicon's marketplace. Veterans obviously come here, and they come here because they have skills to contribute, their experience, their education, their exposure comfortable uh, them being comfortable with decision making and leadership is a huge asset that they can bring to this uh, marketplace and our hope is that they also extract some value and I think some of that is the DNA that you get from wearing the uniform where you want to be a part of a community you want to have purpose and you want to have impact um, I think the communities we serve also contribute you know they come and on their worst day, you know they have expectations that hopefully the veterans can deliver on that you know when bad things happen great people will will come and i think that becomes contagious and becomes kind of a my my hope and you know team rubicon's um aspiration as it serves as a reminder to you know the great people of this country that you know we all have a part you know in in creating a tide that lifts everyone you know in the face of disaster Uh, And then for our funders, I think a lot of people uh, really are keen and are ready to invest in in the social good. Um, So we like to deliver to them and we like to show them that they have return in that um, we've created um, an organization that's constantly increasing in value uh, because of our training, because of what we do, uh, because of what we can do uh, and how much we can dish out. Uh, and also, um, you know, in that brand, and again, inspiring, you know, and aligning with these people who want to see great things happen. So all of it's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, and the journey has been, you know, really, really amazing because you begin to uncover all of these, you know, consequences of, of just genuine, um, you know, gener- genuine pursuit of the good. Um, that just yield these different effects that I think are really, really beneficial for everyone participating.
0: Yeah. What, what impact has working at Team Rubicon had on you?
1: Uh, It, you know, it's, it's just reminded me again, you know, it's your, your question about, you know, when did you renew, you know, renew purpose? Um, It is really, really fantastic uh, to be, a part of an organization that just has such a clear mission. It's really, really amazing to be able to serve with people who are aligned to that. Uh, it's really, really amazing to be able to, you know, watch, you know, real impact and outcomes unfold around us. So that's, you know, that's been a real, a real pleasure and a real, a great thing to observe and be a part of.
0: That's great. What skill set, discipline, talents, whatever you want to call it, did you learn in the military that you think directly contributes to your success at Team Rubicon?
1: Uh, boy. Um, you know, I think it's foundational in just about every decision I make. Um, certainly the highlights are uh, kind of uh, people management has been a a huge, um, a huge thing that the military experience has allowed me to, to kind of leverage and understand. I don't think you, you get that kind of exposure just anywhere. Um, so that has been fantastic. I think the decision-making process uh, has been amazing um, in that, you know, you you take any any member of the service and regardless of the age, they're making probably life or death decisions uh, in some capacity. And I think that makes you comfortable in the face of ambiguity and it makes you decisive when the decision needs to be made. Um, so I'd say that's a, a huge benefit as well. And I, I think the other part that it really allows has allowed me and i think a lot of the people that i work with um to do is you begin to have a better balance in life because you begin to understand what's important versus you know what is urgent and you can begin to prioritize in a really powerful and effective way
0: yeah art if there's anybody uh if there's anybody listening that maybe is new to Team Rubicon or they've heard about it and they're just they're not quite sure how or even why or if they if maybe they have doubts if they are you know good enough quote unquote to to, to volunteer uh, what message do you have for them?
1: You know my message is um, give it a run. You know go to www.teamrubiconusa.org. Um, and take a look at the website and sign up. You know, we will take, um, everybody has something to contribute. There's so much that needs to be done and everyone has a skill set that uh, can be applied in some manner. And our hope is that an organization like us can return, you know, value to you and, and satisfaction in doing a job. Um, so I think you just need to sign up. And a lot of people out there are probably saying, well, I'm too busy. You know, I've got this going on and we understand that. Uh, but if you sign up and your name is on the list uh, and we have to ask you 20 times before you can say yes, you know, those 19 times are worth it all day long. Because we believe that the veterans and the people that are part of Team Rubicon, when disaster strikes in their local area, they're going to say yes. Um, they'll know when they're really needed. They'll prioritize that service and they'll have great impact on the community you know the veterans and, and the people that they help. Yeah.
0: Art, do you do you use VA for anything? Do you use it for healthcare, education, home loan maybe?
1: I have used the VA on on a, a bunch of those different dimensions uh and um you know, they for me I've had fantastic experiences across the board. You know, I'll use it in the future some of the benefits um that have have been there have been fantastic um to include you know the the healthcare from the retirement um you know the education all of those components are are really really um a nice benefit to have from those years in service
0: yeah did you i know you um you know you went to the navy academy did you pursue any higher education when you got out
1: Uh, not when I got out. I was fortunate to get my master's, uh, when I left. Um, I will transfer those benefits to my children with the GI Bill. Yeah. Um, which will, which will be a a nice (laughs) dent with four kids. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's super, super valuable. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of my, uh, my senior enlisted, you know, he, he is now with help part of the VA messaging and, you know, it's, I think it's an an organization whose importance can't be understated. You know, with 21 million um, veterans in this country, we have to have an organization, and and I'm confident that it's there that that can serve these people that have served the country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Art, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, the audience. Thank you for your service to our country and still serving leading veterans in such a wonderful organization like Team Rubicon.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Timothy, and thanks for uh, helping us get the message out about who Team Rubicon is and what we do. Getting
0: out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that you don't understand.
1: I would be talking, but I wasn't there with them. You just feel so alone.
0: I still had the anger. I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that
1: came to a point where it's like, okay,
0: I really need to talk to somebody about this.
1: Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go to the VA, you're a veteran, see what they can do to help you.
0: When you have family, friends, when you have the facilities like the VA and the Vet Center, it gives me, it gives others encouragement to keep moving forward. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true
1: strength to ask for help. Talking with with other veterans was the best method for learning the roadmap to success. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at MakeTheConnection.net.
0: Art mentioned that he doesn't plan to use his GI Bill benefits for himself, but will most likely pass them on to his children. If you qualify for post-9-11 education benefits and would like to learn how you can pass them along to your dependents, visit Benefits.com. Dot you can call 1 888 GI Bill 1 or tweet VA Benefits at VA Vet Benefits. Simply let them know that you are interested in transferring your post 9 11 education benefits and how to start that process. Today's Veteran of the Day is Longshaw Kraus Porritt. Longshaw served in the Army during World War I as a part of the American Ambulance Field Service. We honor his service. To view Longshaw's entire write-up and to learn how to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up episode 23. I want to thank you all for listening. I know there are a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you spending your time listening to these important Veteran stories. If there's anything you'd like to have addressed here on the show, please tweet them to us using hashtag VAPodcast. Follow us on Twitter at DEPTVetAffairs for more stories from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.